Hello everyone, and in today's episode, I'm joined with Cassie, and, and, and Cassie has Crohn's disease, and she's going to be uh, speaking about her journey and her whole experience with Crohn's disease, and she also has a podcast as well, so, um, so she's going to be explaining a little bit about her podcast too, so thank you Cassie for joining me today. Thank you for having me, I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, um, uh, I think it's, it's going to be really cool hearing about like your Crohn's and, and, and your podcast too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds great, yeah. thanks Mason. Yeah. So just to start, start off with Cassie, I'd just uh, like to introduce yourself a little bit. Yeah, that sounds good. So I'm Cassie. I'm 32. Um, I'm a single mom. I have a 12-year-old boy. And I currently live in Kansas in the United States. Um, I was actually born and raised in Oxford, England. Oh. So yeah, so <laughs> I moved to the to Kansas when I was 12. So while we're talking, my British accent might come out because I still talk to my family in a British accent. Um, so yeah, I'm a Brit in the, in yeah. the soul. <laughs> yeah, because uh, I wouldn't have thought you were from Oxford because no. you, you do sound more American than uh, yeah. Uh, I you know I got teased and bullied when at that age, and yeah. so I just wanted to fit in right away. So I picked up an American accent, kind of on purpose. <laughs> My brother was is two years older, and he was at the age where it was like cool that he had a British accent, so he kept his <laughs> the whole time. Um, but I, I wanted to blend in and now in my adult years, I a little bit regret it because I think that people would think I'm cooler with my British accent. <laughs> yeah. I've yeah. got to say that the American accent is quite cool because, um, like, like if you just hear it to, uh, the, the British accent, I think, um, it, it, it evolves in your shoes and, 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 and I was like, uh, from Oxford and I moved to America, I'll probably be the same. I want to get Amer- American accent mm-hmm. as well. <laughs> yeah, well, that's fun. I think you're the first person that said the American accent is cool. So I'm going to yeah. own it. <laughs> I'm going to keep yeah. that. I like it. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. So um, a little more about me. I'm a Pilates instructor. So I teach Pilates and uh, movement. That's my main source of income. Um, I found a lot of pain relief with a lot of my joint pain from Crohn's, from Pilates. And um, about a year ago, I started an in-person support group for people with chronic illness with a friend of mine. And it's really grown to an online business and um, our podcast. And uh, there's a clothing company, Aerie, by American Eagle. And uh, they did something this year giving away 20 grants to people who are trying to make a change in their community and in the world and we won one of those so we are airy change makers for trying to make a difference in the world of chronic illness and disability so I'm very proud of that yeah that's really good and like like because I know like I don't know how long your podcast will be going on for but mine is actually it's going to be like um, March time. Mine That's exactly ours. Yeah, about March. <laughs> Same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when uh, kind of when the coronavirus like hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly right. We had done, I think we had recorded like three episodes before coronavirus hit. And then, yeah. you know, that was in the beginning with Corona when we didn't know it was going to be around as long. And so we had these two months in lockdown that we were like, let's just record a bunch while we've got the time you know, make the most out of our time at home, not knowing that it would now be December and yeah. we yeah. would be in the same boat. <laughs> yeah. Who'd have thought it? Yeah. Um, but um, like, I think 
people just realise now it's more serious than maybe others thought it. It, it, it maybe just been a uh, some people would just say it's a flu bug, wouldn't they? And and uh, and just knowing like you have to take it seriously, don't you? Like yeah. especially if you have like Crohn's disease and IBD. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well. exactly. Yeah, exactly. You do, and most of us are immune compromised in the sense of being on immune suppressants as well. And there's been some research I had read that being on the immune suppressants um, can in a way be helpful with combating the coronavirus because of this cytosic storm situation, but I'm not really willing, I'm not willing to take that risk. So I'm staying home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I actually heard like, um, like, cause the drug I'm on, I think that, that they're putting that for coronavirus patients to like as well, like um, Humira. Um, oh yeah. Which um, which is good to hear that it might help um, coronavirus. If it does help um, it'd be it'd be good for me because I'm actually on the drug anyway. So. <laughs> well, exactly. That's how I started feeling. Um, and I live with my stepdad and care for him, and he's ninety. So I have felt myself feeling more worried about him than myself because of the research uh, with the immune suppressants. I'm currently on Intibio. Um, I did Remicade for just over two years. Um, I think in England you call it uh, infliximab. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So I was on infliximab for two years, and then I was on Stellara for about a year and a half. And I just started in Tibio about six weeks ago because um, I haven't been responding to most of the medication. So I'm just trying to be really hopeful for Intibio right now. Yeah, well, hopefully that's okay. Like, like with actually infliximab, I was actually on that myself at some at one point. Um, it was kind of the first um, like proper medication I was on, like um, by like by, 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 by logics. Um, mm. But um, I was on it only for a year, and unlike because each time it goes a little bit faster in the hospital because you're you doing okay with it. Then then on the ninth infusion. Um, it was it was, it, was a, it wasn't good uh because um like like because you have the um like like the prep drug don't you to make you go a little bit sleepy and i had that and then through that i think just after that finished um, and starting the actual infusion with 15 minutes in um i had a bad reaction like, like at first you didn't really notice it because i, I was um I, I went all red for like hot a little bit for a second not not, not hot hot to start with then because there was like five nurses I think in the room there's quite a lot of nurses so, 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 so that was good and then firstly one asked me um, are you doing okay are, are, are you feeling all right and I said yeah because I, I thought I was just okay it was just hot in the room mm-hmm. and then because uh, my dad goes with me my dad went with me each time he went out for a little breather uh, because uh, um, it's a bit boring in there <laughs> yeah but um, I um, and then a couple of weeks later I felt really hot and I was thinking what's going on yeah uh, uh, it's surely not this hot in the room, and then and and, and then all of a sudden because you've got your canna, like your cannula in, I'm 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 looking at that. I'm feeling like it's gonna burst or something, and then I'm all hot again, and and yeah. then uh, and I'm more like I'm in a sauna now, and um, I say to the nurse, no, I'm not alright, and then uh, she feels feels me, I'm all hot, and then uh, another couple of seconds later, um, I struggle to breathe. I say I can't I can't I can't breathe I can't breathe, and then I needed an oxygen tank. And then, um, um, and then they kind of stopped the infusion. But, but through all that, what I just said, do you think they carried on the infusion? Or, yeah, yeah, they, they they did. Yeah, 
yeah they, they carried it on like my consultant got informed and they said carry it on but very slowly and I was thinking to myself at the point wait what you could have carried it on after all that and yeah then, and then it did but it went very slowly and then like a couple that finished it was no pain or anything I was just there a little bit longer and then um I saw my consultant a couple of days later and then he said, uh, I think it's best not to go on um, infliximab anymore. And then <laughs> and then um, from there, I went on a Himera, what I'm on now. And I've been on that just about, just over, a, just gone a year now. And that's working quite well for me. Oh, that's great. I'm really glad to hear it's working well. Yeah, when I was on infliximab, they would give me an antihistamine before each infusion to help prevent, you know, a, an allergic reaction, which I was always thought was kind of odd, you know? Yeah. Um, but that's great that Humera is working for you. I haven't done Humera yet because it's so close to infliximab that they felt like it may not as be as effective for me. So I think it's if Intivio doesn't work for me, Humera will be the next one. And then I will basically try them all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had a, I'm kind of in a different position right now because with Stellara, and I don't know what it's called in the UK, Stellara, um, but uh, it's, it's a fairly newer drug, but um, I didn't have very many side effects on Stellara, which was really nice because I had a lot of side effects on Remicade. Um, but I just, I never really felt good on it either. I felt better than Remicade, but I never really felt good. And then um, to finally decide to have me change, I had a fistula this summer. And yeah. so I had fistula surgery in September and that was really painful and has not been fun um, yeah. to recoup from. And so uh, that was kind of the deciding factor because I shouldn't have had that happen if my Crohn's was managed is what they said. Yeah, I, I know exactly what, like, I, I, I've, I've, I would say I've had a, fi a fistula ever since I've had Crohn's. And what was annoying at first, because um, I didn't know what it was at first. I thought like that Daniel back passage, I, I got seen and I wanted to find out what it was. And then I went to my local local doctor surgery and um, like um, we asked like, could, could you have a look? And they didn't, uh, like the doctor didn't because she thought I'll be too comfortable, uh, too uncomfortable, I mean. But what I've really thought, what was her, what she was thinking, that she was uncomfortable to do it. So, like mm -hmm. finding out that was a, a fistula, uh, like from my actual consultant having a look at it, um, um, probably a, a couple of weeks later, it, it would have got seen to much quicker if she probably would have looked at it. Yeah, I mean that's just crazy to me that you know she would she would be uncomfortable just because you know it sometimes gets to a point when you have a chronic disease that the body is just the body yeah. and you have, you know, it's just, you have to just look at it like a kind of scientific anatomical body. <laughs> at least that's what I tell myself with being sometimes in such vulnerable positions and having doctors looking at everything and, you know, in all those places, like you said, and um, I've just, I try not to feel weird about it anymore. Cause it's just like, my body is my body. Everything hurts and I need you to fix it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know yeah like, yeah oh, and I, yeah how how long have you been um diagnosed with Crohn's um I've had Crohn's since 2017 so okay. a, a couple of years now like how, yeah. how, how long have you had Crohn's yeah so I was sick for a few years um before I got my diagnosis and then I got diagnosed summer of 2016 
And I was um, really sick for a good year before that. And there was a bunch of things that came up over that year that they, they definitely should have caught it sooner. Um, but yeah, so I've been diagnosed for four years now. And um, I, I, I haven't gotten to the place of, you know, remission in that whole time. I don't really go symptom free. Um, I think when I was on Stellara, I had like every now and then I had around 24 hours that I was kind of symptom free, which was a huge deal for me. But in this calendar year so far, since around September of last year, so around September of 2019, I haven't gone symptom free for even a day. No. So it can be pretty tiring, you know? Yeah, it can. And I, 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 I actually remember like having to fight to get appointments to get diagnosed actually um yeah, in 2017 because um like even before I was diagnosed um I, was, I lost a lot of weight I wasn't eating anything um I couldn't actually eat anything and like I, I, the amount of weight I lost was uh unbelievable like um no one like no one noticed it like no, no one like kind of no sees it and like I, like my mum my mum and dad kind of did and luckily and because like, mm-hmm. I, I didn't even see, I, I was thinking maybe it was just a little bug or something. I'm like, I can't eat something, but it wasn't that. And then um, I was actually, I wasn't when I was gonna get seen that that they was gonna push that back another another couple of weeks, which were which was good. They didn't, and I can we kind of fight to get that appointment for for uh, to get diagnosed. And because mm-hmm. I, the consultant said it uh, when I was having like the procedures here, he was saying, uh, it's a good job that you got seen because uh, you probably would have surgery um, if yeah. it was any later. So uh, I think that's why you do kind of have, a f- have to fight. I know like um, you like your consultants are and like some, some doctors and like um, do, do know more of it than you like uh, at that kind of point. But yeah. um, you still, I think you've got to push a lot uh, when having a chronic, chronic illness. You do, you have to fight, you have to advocate for yourself because it's kind of like, we know our bodies better than anyone in the sense of, you know, what feels normal or not. So we may not be the experts to know, oh yeah, I've got Crohn's, you know, (laughs) someone needs to diagnose me, but you might know your body well enough to say, well, this is, this is not normal. What's going on. This is a different feeling. And I, I had to do the same thing. I really advocated. I mean, it was a whole year of me going to doctors and showing them pictures of my tummy after I would eat that would blow up and I would look six months pregnant and my pants wouldn't fit. My trousers wouldn't fit anymore. And I would say to them, this is not normal. My tummy is doing weird things. And, um, no one believed me. And it was actually my OBGYN, my gynecologist, um, that I went to and I thought I had a reproductive issue. And I told him, I said, you know, I have so much cramping. I have so much pain you know, I think something's wrong with my ovaries or something. And he asked me more and more about the symptoms. And this, I was in tears in his office because I'd been fighting for a year for people to listen to me. And as I was telling him all my symptoms, which was the first time that someone even really asked, like, what are all of your symptoms? Um, He then said, well, it sounds to me like you're having an issue from basically as soon as anything enters your body to the moment it's exiting your body. Because at that point in time, just drinking water made me want to throw up. And um, so he said, I want to send you to gastroenterology um, because to me, it sounds like you're having a digestive issue and let's get a specialist. 
otherwise he's like, we can uh, look at your reproductive system as well. And so he kind of made a call to a colleague. So if it wasn't for him actually stopping and asking me, and then I, I had my colonoscopy about a month later with the gastroenterologist and they came out and said, you have severe Crohn's disease. I had 11 polyps that they removed. Five were precancerous. It was kind of the same boat yeah. as you, where it was like, if, if they hadn't have listened and found it, I would have either been having surgery or on a very close road to cancer potentially. Yeah. And so um, I was so grateful to my OBGYN and I kept seeing him for uh, another two years um, until I moved to Kansas. This was in Montana when I lived in Montana. And um, he later also felt strongly that I have endometriosis, um, which is an issue with, I'd say the reproductive organs um, because of various other symptoms, but that is still in a place where it can't be diagnosed unless there's surgery and they surgically see the endometriosis. So I don't usually say that I have the diagnosis because it hasn't been surgically diagnosed yet. I've had several doctors who totally think it's there. And I really wish that they would change something in the healthcare system for endometriosis to be diagnosed more easily. There was a gal we interviewed on our podcast in the UK in London who has endometriosis and she's doing a, a campaign trying to get a petition signed to recognize endometriosis as a disability in the UK, which I think is really cool. Yeah, because I'm um, like, like, although like, like, um, like there's different types of Crohn's, isn't there? It's not just you get Crohn's, like I'm just saying, I've got, I've got severe Crohn's, which, um, it's not good, <laughs> but I've, I was told it was actually called patchy pans. It's called patchy pans. And, oh, interesting. Yeah, and that's why it, it one of the, told us one of the worst possible forms you can get of Crohn's disease. So, um, like it, like it, which is a it can be sad at first when you did get told, but it can be a relief as well at the same time that you've actually been diagnosed. Well, exactly. It's validating you know, because people do kind of say, oh, you're being a hypochondriac and it's an invisible illness. So people will look at you and think you look fine, but actually, you know, you're not. And um, it, it can be a relief. I mean, I, I remember when they told me that I had severe Crohn's from my colonoscopy that, I mean, I thought I was going to be completely fine. When I went in, I was so sure that it was a reproductive issue that I was like oh this colonoscopy is just to cover all of our bases so when they came out and told me that diagnosis I was just like I had no idea that was going to be the case and I knew very little about um IBD so it it was scary but I was the same way I was a little bit relieved for the validation and then I at least felt okay well now I know what I need to beat now I know what to treat what to do um And so for those listening, if you don't have a diagnosis and you're living in this kind of mystery of I have an illness, but what's going on, just like Mason said, fight for getting diagnosed, fight for getting heard, advocate for yourself. Someone out there will listen. It just, it takes patience for sure and determination. And and like, if you do feel like, um, because of the symptoms you have, and like because people do easily get misdiagnosed as well um uh, luckily I didn't get to get misdiagnosed because people do like I, like for me because I lost a lot of weight I could easily be been misdiagnosed with like anorexia or something 
because of anorexia, you, you can't eat, you lose weight from not eating. So I, people who do lose weight can easily get misdiagnosed by that. But it's just, um, as well, it, it's like, like, as well, it gets, IBD does get quite a lot mixed up with IBS as well, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That's a funny one. Yeah, the, I mean, the anorexia are totally right. There was a lady I saw who just had a m- magazine spread that um, and she had pictures where doctors kept saying she was anorexic and it was Crohn's and then she got a permanent ileostomy um, and has been doing really well and put on weight and everything since then. Um, but, oh, I just lost my train of thought. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> Brain fog. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's not coming back. I don't know what <laughs> I was going to say. But yeah, losing weight is definitely a, a, a sign and a symptom. And um, gaining weight too has been that this year, that's one of the things I've had an issue with, which has been really interesting. I've been progressively gaining weight all year, but yet I'm like, I don't know why my, I'm not eating the way that I should be. And, um, or the way that I would like to be, meaning I'm kind of under eating, you know, and I've had so many symptoms, but when I saw my gastroenterologist the other day, we had changed one of my medications, which is amitriptyline and it's an antidepressant, but it's also used for, uh, treating migraines because I was getting a lot of migraines and it can even be helpful for gut cramping, which is really interesting. So it's kind of a triple treatment and, um, since starting that I've begun to gain weight. And so that's been kind of interesting because there's a, I'm realizing there's also a lot of uh, stereotype and stigma around people gaining weight who have Crohn's or maybe are already a little overweight and then get diagnosed. And then doctors are like, Oh, you just need to lose weight. And then it's like, (laughs) there's the ones who have no weight on them with Crohn's and Oh, you need to put on weight. I mean, it's just, it's a constant battle. Yeah, and and you, I, I think you hear a lot as well when you have lost that weight, and uh, you get other people maybe saying, oh, "I wish I've lost that amount of weight," mm-hmm. <laughs> which um, which, which you then may just say, uh, "No, you wish you uh, you don't want to lose this much weight. Um, it's not nice." It's not nice. Yeah, I I've been reading about that, and that it's almost like you get this praise for something that's actually really damaging for you, you know, yeah. and um. And the body, what people I think don't understand too, is that we're constantly kind of going into like a starvation mode in a sense, because you can't eat everything upsets your tummy, you're nauseous, and then you're essentially starving your body. And then you end up getting some calories in because you start feeling dizzy or whatever. And it's, it's, it's difficult. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's definitely what, what I have found is, um, my relationship with food has suffered with this disease because I can't, there's so many foods I can't enjoy. And there can be like a fear around what you're eating sometimes too. Like, is this going to upset my tummy or I don't know. It's that's, that's a challenging one too. Yeah. Yeah. And it can be annoying as well. Just like, just like, like, like I I actually remember just sitting there and wanting, I have all this on my plate alive and then you can't eat any of it you have a you mm-hmm. have a, a little bite and then you're full because I look like I remember getting a lot of bloating as well just by eating yeah. hardly anything and then you're full and then 
like it's it's annoying and then you try the liquid drinks which I tried which I didn't like as well so there's no win win (laughs) I know yeah I feel the exact same way yeah it would be you're right like you'd be so excited to eat something because you'd be starving and food does taste good (laughs) and then you have one bite and then it's just you're uncomfortable and you know and it, it is annoying it's frustrating and um I know that recently, you know, I'm so used to my tummy hurting from almost like every meal I eat that I noticed lately that I'm like, oh, if I eat something that didn't necessarily upset my tummy, then I like keep eating it because I'm like, oh my God, thank God. Like I can, you know, I can eat. This is great. And then all of a sudden I've eaten myself to where I'm like, okay, now my tummy hurts. You know, I ate too much. (laughs) I've just stopped when it, when it was okay. Yeah. yeah, so the, the whole food dynamic is challenging for sure. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, people, you do, everyone gets full, but I just remember getting full as soon as how hard he touched your, your meal. It's mm-hmm. like, it's still all there. And I think my mum would say, you haven't eaten anything. I was like, I can't. And like the pain, I remember the pain was like, it's like a stabbing pain. And yeah. it, it's like stabbing, stabbing at like, it felt like a bit of acid inside of you, all warm and boiling hot. It's not a pain which you can... It's, not, it's very hard to explain as well and, and like mm-hmm. unless you experience it yourself but um mm-hmm. it's very not nice and, and, I, and I just remember still going to places still going to school because I know I would have to catch up anyway mm-hmm. yeah yeah absolutely I mean I I definitely feel in some ways grateful that I was in my adult years um with getting my diagnosis because yeah school would have been hard and and work has been hard um part of I think my choices to become a Pilates instructor was first I, I experienced pain relief. And so I was like, Oh my God, I want to help people have pain relief with this exercise as well. But I also got to make my own schedule. Um, and cause I would mostly have like one-on-one clients and stuff. And so I could also move people around if needs be. And that schedule flexibility was definitely um, a leading factor into my career choice because with Crohn's, just like many other chronic illnesses, you don't know how you're going to feel one day to the next. Yeah. And um, I've, I've been getting to work from home more. I've been teaching online, teaching Pilates online um, during the pandemic. And yeah. oh my gosh, working from home is such a blessing. And it's really been making me feel like I need to make that happen more yeah. after this pandemic is over. Yeah. I, I do think when there is like um we're saying we're, we're like when the vaccine is like people like us are allowed to have it and everyone is allowed to have it um I think it'll still be hard because um um like I think in a way because in the UK there's like um a rotor where everyone takes it I think like the elderly are first along with people yeah. working on the on the front line I think I, I, I think I'm about sixth down line and. I think it's a good job. It's good that I'm not first because you don't know how it's going to work with like uh, being on all these um, medication you're on now and you don't know if you can have reactions to it. But um, when people do take it, even if you go now, you're not going to really know who's had it, are you? I know. Well, I feel like we're probably going to be around like the phase three because the phase one is, you know, like I think from the little bit that I've read, it's like, kind of like the frontline workers, you know, nurses, doctors, et cetera. And then phase two is going into people over 65 with pre-existing conditions. But I think that they'll choose 
those pre-existing conditions with more like COPD or heart disease or diabetes or lung disease, which they've seen the most complications. So I feel like we're going to be the immune compromised group, like after that whole phase um, with our pre-existing conditions. So yeah, we should hopefully get to see how it's doing. And um, it seems as though so far it's not a live vaccine, which will be good because we're not allowed to have those live vaccines, Yeah, but it is a bit nerve wracking. And then um, I was reading something that we'll still have to wear masks and socially distance for quite some time after some of these first waves of the vaccine, because just like you said, we're not going to know who all has done it. And they're more like 95% effective. So there's still that 5%, which when you think about it, 5% is still a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, 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 I actually like, like saying that you, you're from Oxford, actually that there's a vaccine from Oxford. Um, I think that I don't don't think that's a live one there is a live one coming out in the UK but um which won't be a good one to have but I think the Oxford one is or that that there is one in the UK that isn't live which um would be okay to take but um I think um down the line it's still going to be the way it is but not as bad I don't think um when the more people do take the vaccine uh the better but um it's just like thinking about um, people who still get the coronavirus that they won't be able to take their vaccine because they have the COVID and it's just like with more like in the UK with like with uh, we just had a lockdown um, for, for a month and uh, it just it just f- f- finished not too long ago and just knowing that that will probably bring cases up now um, it, and as well as like for Christmas they're letting people go around for like five days uh I think all across the UK, like England, so that that would probably boost cases up as well, and probably there'll be another lockdown. I would think next year, early next year. Yeah. Did you did the country see benefit from the lockdown from the month? Um, I don't think it. Uh, in my personal opinion, I wouldn't really call it a lockdown to compared because it would be our second lockdown because in March it was properly a lockdown where everyone's locked yeah. up and everything, but this one was like um like some people were still going to school so like the schools and colleges were open and like her hairdressers weren't open something was shut but it wasn't a proper lockdown and and like you can see quite a lot of people still going out as well so um I don't know if it it it, it, it probably did help a little bit but but now like um because there's a tier system as well you've got tier one tier two tier three where um it's all uh, it's all complicated there i think they yeah. do the government make it i think they do make it quite complicated for everyone <laughs> yeah yeah because yeah, we here in kansas we haven't had any lockdown stuff since march april and um it's it's like everywhere here yeah. but being in the midwest i mean we're, we just have so many people that are refusing to wear masks that don't believe in it or whatever and are also just treating it like, oh, it's just a cold, you know, because for yeah. some people it is just a cold or asymptomatic. Yeah. And so um, we have basically no restrictions here. All, all there is, is I think you're not supposed to have gatherings over, you know, I don't know, 25 or 50 people. Yeah. Um, but that's it. People are dining inside, you know, hairdressers, gyms, everywhere is open shops. Yeah. And um I'm only doing grocery shopping. And when the weather was nice, I sat outside at some restaurants a few times. Um, But that's it. But when I go around, even if I go to like pick up food from a restaurant, let's say, there's just people inside eating everywhere. 
And so it's, um, it's pretty bad here. I know that some areas in California have gone into a bit of a lockdown. Um, it seems to me that our state and the Midwest is not doing what they should be. And so I feel fortunate. The uh, Pilates studio that I work at is inside a gym. And so I really wasn't feeling safe coming in because the gym it, in the Pilates studio, it's kind of like a room inside the gym. Um, people were more careful and we had a limited amount of five people in there. Um, so that was easier to social distance and keep it small. But the rest of the gym, you know, was more of a free for all and people weren't wearing masks and stuff. So I really wasn't feeling safe. And I just, I kind of said, I'm, I'm not coming in. I don't feel safe. And fortunately they've let me do that. So I haven't actually gone to work in person for almost a month now. And I'm not going to for the rest of December um at least and I'm really thankful for that because a lot of people at work have had COVID and are getting tested Mm -hmm. and um so I was at least thankful that they've kind of given me the option to stay home yeah yeah Yeah. I think staying home does really help as well like um like I know not like I think some people are quite lucky if they're allowed to do it at home because I know um some people are quite strict about not going into work and everything but um I think it's a it's good to stay at home like um especially in a pandemic Mm -hmm. I know and I've I've really needed the extra rest you know I've been able to sleep a little bit more and watch shows and read books and been watching the great British baking show for example (laughs) and then we're what like we're watching Homeland which is a pretty intense one and so it's, it's been nice to just not have to run around all the time. And especially with having this fistula surgery, yeah. um, you know, my, my body hasn't been as good as it was like a year ago, for example. So being able to just rest more and stay home has been exactly what I've needed. Yeah. Mm, I, I know like fistulas can be really annoying because like, uh, like with mine, it, it kind of, like, there's been times it hasn't been under control. There's times that, like, you can get constipated with it mm-hmm. and, like, need to take certain, like, I think, tablets, drinks to kind of make you go, which is quite annoying. Uh, mm-hmm. Having blood in the stool as well. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, especially, like, just remembering going out for a walk, even having a bit of exercise, just, like, it's all all sweaty down there and not nice and like it kind of hurts doesn't it yeah it hurts a lot I I have a lot of trouble sitting and so um I can't really sit for more than about like an hour and then I have to take a break and either stand or lie down mostly is the best thing to do same thing like going for walks and stuff I mean it's just it affects everything you know, it's an area in your body that it affects everything you do. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I still have what's called a, they, they called a seton tube. So I have a tube down there still that's kind of looping and then draining this fistula because otherwise it, they said it would abscess inside the body and have this kind of pocket of infection. And so, um, it's, and I'll have it, I'll have the tube in for probably at least three more months as of right now. So it's pretty, it's pretty intense. 
and it's not nice and it's not fun. And like I said, I can't sit a ton. I can't exercise or go for walks a lot. It's just, um, it's difficult. Yeah, it's really not nice. Like, I just remember, like, at first you think, wait, well, what's a fist flow? Like, um, I find it, it can be um, very hard to speak about as well, um, mm-hmm. about, like, fistulas. Yeah, I know. Yeah, people don't always talk about it because, yeah, it's in yeah. that, it's in an area of the body that's, you know, hush-hush. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, it's it, it needs to be talked about. I've, I've talked about it quite a bit on um, my podcast with my friend, yeah. which is The Real Life Show, Living with a Chronic Illness. Um, I did a whole episode on fistula fun and surgery fears, oh. I called it. And um, I think we, if I remember right, we recorded that episode like a week or two after my surgery. And um, on Instagram, I have like a highlight reel that I share a lot of like TMI, a lot of too much information about my fistula and the pain and the area of the body. And so um our Instagram is at the real spoonies unite. And so if you, yeah, if you're out there and you, you want to hear all the raw, like unfiltered stuff, go on there because I talk (laughs) about it all. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Definitely check it out as well because Mm -hmm. um, it like, because you you don't do it on your own, like your podcast. uh, I saw like you have uh, um, another person on it, but don't you? Yeah, that's right. My friend Chelsea and I, and she doesn't have a chronic illness, but she just is one of those really empathetic, supportive people for those of us who do. And so um, our podcast is a mix of interviews with people and just the two of us talking about various topics. Um, We have an episode coming out this month about just the two of us talking about depression and anxiety in relation to chronic illness. Um, And so it's called The Real Life Show because we really do try to talk about all the things that people don't always talk about. Yeah. Um, and so I really enjoy it. It's really fulfilling for me. Um, it's just a great outlet and I've been grateful for the people that we've gotten to meet and connect with and talk to, which I'm sure that you can totally yeah. relate to. Yeah. I think, I think that's one of the best things about it. Like just being to all the lovely people that come on. Like I've actually spoken to about fish just a couple of times, but I wouldn't just go out to speak to like maybe to one of my friends that mm-hmm. uh, hasn't got a chronic condition. I, I, I won't just have a, a nice little chin wag about you want to talk about fishless. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but uh, it's not something you talk about with many people, is it? Like I, I, I'll talk about it. I've talked about it, like I said like, quite a few times on my podcast to different people that have fishless. That I think one episode we can't. Um, with someone I, we kind of based that episode on fishless talk because um, I saw a. He, he was kind of talking about fishers a lot and then we got him on and then it was basically an episode about fishers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you know, it, it kind of helps to feel less lonely, doesn't it? You know, when yeah. you know that there's people out there who do get it and maybe you don't get to meet those people in person. I know that that's been something for me. I don't, I don't know many people in person that have a similar condition as me, but uh, through social media and through our podcast, we've gotten to connect with so many people that I know that I have just felt less alone in the struggle, you know, and I've felt connection with people and it's been nice to be able to talk about that stuff. You know, we've gotten on podcasts and I'll say, oh, you know, I'm sitting on my hot water bottle right now because I'm in pain. <laughs> and they're just like, oh yeah, you know, I, t- I have mine underneath my sweater, you know, and it's just nice to be like, this is normal, yeah. you know, and um, 
So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely grateful for everything that you're doing to bring awareness to living with chronic conditions and talking to people and putting it out there to make a difference. And I mean, I think that's just so great. Thank you. And I think, yeah, I think yeah, you're doing a brilliant job as well, like with your podcast and everything. Um, but but do, 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 you, do you think, because I've kind of questioned myself with this a couple of times, do you think you'll um, continue the podcast like when uh, throughout like the pandemic when it's like kind of um, finished? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, we will be, yes, because we um, we are wanting to use it as a way to, um, like I said, talk about the things that people don't always talk about. But we've also started a nonprofit organization with which we want to help pay for wellness treatments that aren't always covered by insurance or whatever, you know, like massage or nutrition and stuff. And so um, we want to get more awareness brought to living with chronic illness so that we can get donations for that nonprofit so we can give money away to people. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, we, we have definitely been trying to record as much as we can during the pandemic with this extra time um but yeah we'll definitely keep it going after do you think you'll keep yours going after no I, I think I will I, I I don't think it will be like I record probably as many episodes as I have because mm-hmm. of um about like with um like doing probably more things past the pandemic but I think I would, I would like to continue like recording speaking to more people and I, I think over zoom is a uh, I think like just starting with it I think it has really helped like me as well like not seeing anyone like physically and just like speaking to people yeah um across the world <laughs> yeah um, exactly yeah I think I think it's amazing that like I've had like played a lot of quite a few from America had a couple from Australia <laughs> oh that's fun <laughs> had a had all across the world <laughs> yeah I'm talking to someone from Australia next week and they're 17 hours ahead from where we are which is just crazy yeah it is mad and uh, I kind of like I kind of like speaking to the people like a few I've had from Australia because it's I like their accent (laughs) yeah I know they have a fun accent yeah yeah Um, I'm excited too yeah yeah. it it is nice to connect and see people and talking via zoom like this you get to feel like you're hanging out a little bit yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and uh, I kind of said to a few ads from Australia I said in the UK, uh, all, all we really know about Australia is where, like, I'm a celebrity, like, get me out of here, filmed over there. So we kind of tuned into that. So, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that's a know. good show. That sounds fun. Yeah. But, um, like, a couple of people I spoke to has been, uh, they haven't been to that part because Australia is a big place. It is um, a big place. I'd like to go to Australia. I ended up watching the Love Island Australia shows online and, um, yeah, I, I'd really like to go there too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I want to go to a lot of places, but I want to go to Australia. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that I think that they should do um, not like they do not. Uh, uh, I'm a, get me out of here like with her celebrities. Maybe they should do it just without like the public or something. So that'd be a bit yeah. quite fun. That would be fun. And there are, are, are like a lot of things have been cancelled this year actually because uh, um, I plan to go to Barcelona. Um, so oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Not all to be cancelled, and um, maybe go on a little holiday next year. But I'm, I suppose it's going to be all very expensive next year because everyone want to be going on holidays. 
I know you're right. It probably will be substantially more expensive next year. Yeah, I, I haven't gone on any holidays either. And I'm used to traveling at least a little um, each year. And I've been feeling like, okay, I need to go on vacation when this is over. But you're right. Everyone's going to be feeling like that. So it's going to be expensive and crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a, I'm like, um, it's going to be a, it's going to be hard to just do like it's, things next year as well. I, I, I can't imagine it. It can't be as bad as 2020, can it? <laughs> No, exactly. I mean, it, nothing could be quite as bad as this year. I hope. I hope. Fingers you know, crossed. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I kind of say that. Like, just skip twenty twenty. Once like New Year's hit, um, well, just skip twenty twenty. Uh, just. <laughs> I know. I just. I know. I really hope that. I mean, it sounds like with the vaccine stuff that the beginning of the year could be still a little rough next year. But it seems yeah. like we should be getting back to quite a bit of normalcy by summertime. Yeah, I, I hope so, and like, like, can I can get continue like, like speaking to people, maybe meeting friends again, or family members that you haven't seen for quite a long time. Yeah, exactly. I know. Yeah, I want to see people, family members, and you know, just feeling the less stress and anxiety of getting to be out and about and not worrying. Yeah, mm-hmm. like because because uh, stress is a big symptom as well, isn't it? Like for Crohn's disease. Yes, absolutely. Stress is a big one for making symptoms worse. And I, I constantly have to remind myself to handle and deal with stress and not let it take over because it is a big one. Yeah, it's quite a normal one as well, because we all get stressed, don't we? If you have a chronic illness or not. Um, but um, just knowing that you might get a pain just because you're stressed about something, even the pandemic, it, it's very stressful. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, people will just have an upset tummy just because of feeling stressed. And yeah, just living this whole year, the pandemic, the social cultural issues that have come up. I mean, it's just been a stressful year in the US. The election has all been (laughs) stressful politics. I mean, it's just been one thing after another. Yeah. 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 Because uh, like like, like, like with the new new election, uh, like new, 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 uh, it's Biden now, isn't it? <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm I'm really hopeful that we have some positive changes coming through with the new people in office, and um, yeah, that was that was a stressful time for us over here for yeah. sure. Uh, it was all uh, it was all in the news and the UK as well. <laughs> it, it was the thing I think all across the world as well. <laughs> I know. I think it was all across the world. I mean, um, but we've we've needed a change, and yeah, I'm just hopeful with January, with the new year and some different leadership. I'm, I'm really hopeful that, um, we get on the up and then as for the world, we all need yeah. a win, you know? Yeah. Or I like, um, like lots of things being canceled next year. Hopefully they can take place next year. Like, um, yeah. like, like certainly maybe competitions, like I think the Euros for football that was posted yeah. this year, that's been canceled to go next year. So yeah. there are still things to look forward to, I think, for next the, year. Yeah, the Olympics, they're going to have to yeah. redo those. Yeah, I think there's lots of things to redo. Like, um, just, uh, even though there's been a pandemic and you're stuck inside, uh, I have felt that just going for walks like yeah. um, outside can be a lot of good. Because I remember I got a letter from like the, the government at the start during the first lockdown um, March time. And I... Um, um, I stayed in for a lot. I think it was quite a long time. I wasn't allowed to go out, but um, 
like when you did go out for the first time in such a long time it does it's really it feels actually really good and you, you kind of learn how much you kind of appreciate just going out for a walk and seeing the fresh air against your face oh absolutely yeah going for a walk is i i've been really trying to go for walks too and just appreciate that um my dad still lives in the uk in oxford and um you know he he quite enjoyed how deserted it was in the city to get to go for walks because Oxford gets so many tourists yeah. every year. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it is those little things like going for a walk that makes such a big difference. Where, whereabouts in the UK are you? I, I'm like, I'm Essex. Oh yeah. Essex. Right, yeah. So okay, um, fun. it's not like, um, it's, uh, in, in, uh, it's a small place. Well, yeah. Is it like, um, like I've been to um I don't think I've been to Oxford but I've been to Cambridge but I think they're kind of the system of places where they all go on their bikes don't they <laughs> yeah that's right yeah, yeah everyone's on their bikes yeah they definitely yeah. have the same feet kind of feel for sure yeah and like like all like the scientists kind of go to them kind of places don't they um yeah for vaccines and everything yeah that's yeah. right and the professors and everything yeah Cool. Like, yeah and, oh, well i think we're still praying aren't we for a cure for Crohn's disease but um yeah um, yeah hopefully i don't know about in our lifetimes but hopefully maybe we might we might get the luck <laughs> that's right i know it it could happen i mean medicine has come so far even in just 50 years so it could happen but at least hopefully for the next generations for sure and in the meantime yeah. we just have to yeah. keep going and try to find the best quality of life that we can find for ourselves yeah and just doing awareness like we're doing and like yeah everyone's doing like with your podcast with my podcast like exactly just advocating for other people that, that kind of brings awareness and like different events as well you go to and stuff which would probably take more place next year hopefully yeah and, um, absolutely but there's still even indoors there's lots you can do isn't there like raising yeah. awareness exactly yeah exactly yeah and, and I didn't even know what a podcast was before uh, I started <laughs> <laughs> oh that's so funny yeah that's cool I I definitely listen to podcasts I like podcasts you know especially for driving or if I'm cleaning it can be on in the background and yeah so yeah yeah so I think it's, 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 it's been a, a really good chat uh, Cassie and it's been a really nice it's been so yeah. nice to talk to you. Thank you yeah. so much. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I'm so glad to have gotten on and I enjoyed listening to some of your other episodes. And I just, wow. again, thank you so much for what thank you're you. doing and stay safe in the UK yeah. and yeah. you're heading into dinner time. I'm heading into lunch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and I, just one thing, Cassie, if you just uh, like with your podcast, when, when do you normally like launch your episodes, like release your episodes? Great question. Like, so, Currently, we have new episodes coming out on Wednesdays. Um, going into the new year, we are going to have interview episodes every Wednesday. And then um, twice a month, we'll have episodes with just Chelsea and I, who's my podcast partner, just talking. Um, and yeah, we are we are booked several months ahead right now. It's been going really great. And you can find us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Podcasts. Um, yeah. Again, it's the real life show, Living with a Chronic Illness. Yeah. So it won't be hard for you to find, guys, because uh, that's most of the platforms where you can find like my podcast. Like we're yeah. probably listening right now. <laughs> so exactly. Um, so um, so well, thank you again, and uh, um, 
um I'm, I'm sure like you'll keep doing your podcast like and it's nearly Christmas as well so that's another exciting thing to look forward to <laughs> exactly yeah I'm ready for the holidays thank you yeah, so much for too. having me Mason thanks F- thank you Cassie okay bye okay. see ya